Hey guys, welcome, welcome. This is the Plan Your Company podcast. We're going to be talking about personal journey, professional growth, and business success, and finding our purpose and voice as entrepreneurs. We want to uncover real issues that hold us back and ways to push forward despite them. We will challenge each other to become the best version of ourselves, both personally and professionally, as we all evolve to grow and even test our own human potential. Join me, Sandra Noemi Torres, as we uncover real solutions that will help us cross into thriving and succeeding individuals and business owners. Experience breakthroughs, lessons learned, and support as we grow our influence and maximize our impact. Hey guys, welcome, welcome. Today we are going to be discussing mindset management with Better Me Karen, aka Karen Machuka, who is a peak performance coach and transformational speaker. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much, Sandra. I feel so privileged to be asked to be on the show. Really oh, appreciate it. I'm excited. Yay. No, yeah. it's, it's a blessing to have you. I know you are involved in so many things when it comes to the mind and LLP. And I wanted to address and talk about some mindset habits that as business owners and entrepreneurs, maybe we can um, utilize and take advantage of. Yeah, uh, very important. Uh, mindset is so important when it comes to, um, you know, directing your life and reaching your goals and, you know, maximizing your potential. So uh, it's definitely, I think there's a lot more awareness now uh, regarding, you know, the importance of mindset. Uh, and way back in the day, it was mostly geared toward athletes. Uh, but nowadays, I think that more and more people are being uh, more introspective and really thinking about self-development and uh, uh, the things that are holding them back, you know, from whatever it is that they, they want to accomplish. Definitely. Yeah, I think um, I'm such an advocate for coaching. Um, as you know, I think it's so important. But why do you think more, um, you know, more people are even gravitating towards it? And what, um, what, why would somebody want to be coached? Let's start there. I have to tell you many times, um, and most times, uh, I think that people have to reach a certain point where they kind of uh, don't know uh, what direction they want to go. I think they come up to a crossroads or sometimes a crisis happens. And uh, because many people, uh, they, they think about coaching, but they don't uh, necessarily make the investment. You know, they, if it's a trade-off, for example, uh, if you're a person that, you know, ha feels, feels because it's, again, it's a perception that they have limited means, you know, it's the difference between choosing to go out, uh, to eat maybe, you know, twice a week and spend your money on paying a coach, you know, uh, they're not ready to make that decision until they come to a place where they know that they can't do it on their own. So most people, I believe, um, even though there are many, many outlets uh, nowadays, you know, where you can, you get free seminars, you go on Facebook, you see that all the time. Uh, but uh, even though there are all these outlets, I, I think that people really need to come to a place where they're ready to make a commitment to their self-development. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. So what can somebody expect during a coaching session? Well, a coaching session, first of all, I think that a lot of people confuse, let's say coaching with like a th like therapy or 
um, you know, and then there's, I mean, there's all different kinds of coaching and, and the kind of coaching that I do, it's based on neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, they call it also cognitive behavior therapy, which is CBT, they call that. And um, that type of coaching is really, uh, we're not really supposed to advise. And what we do is uh, we feel that the best way that someone can change their mindset is if they come to the realization that their mindset is not working for them. So we gently guide them. And we ask the questions that's, that are going to help them recognize the changes that have to be made within their lives and in the way that they think. And uh, we also, uh, you know, try to, I also try to tell them, uh, give them examples uh, that would sh give them another perception. So the mindset behind that is that it's much more valuable for you to come to your own conclusion, right? Because, you know, advising people and telling them what to do is not as effective as them understanding and realizing that, you know, this may not be working for me. It's not serving me. So I need to change the way that I think or the way that I'm doing this. Uh, but oftentimes, uh, you know, the main job of the coach is to give them that other perspective and uh, kind of in NLP anyway, you know, jolt their mind and always think, and the, a, co a person that I coach uh, has to believe that I want them to succeed. Uh, and I believe in everyone that I coach because one of the main uh, presuppositions, they call them, of NLP is uh, we are not our behavior. So there's a separation between behavior, right? And uh, the person that you are because we are all born whole and complete and perfect, right? That is the premise. And then along the way, things happen and we change the way we think or the experiences that we have uh, make a shift our mindset. So with that thought in mind, right? Uh, way back in the day, I used to think, God, if this, you know, if he acts like an asshole, he's an asshole, <laughs> plain and simple. But, but I learned that, you know, that is the behavior. What does that do? That means the behavior can be changed. So every coaching session that I have with someone is based on that premise. You know, um, it doesn't matter what you did. Your past doesn't matter. You, what you're doing now, uh, you know, can be changed if you feel that you can be changed. Your behavior is separate from the person that you are. And what we want to do is align your behavior with the person that you want to be. I love that. <clears throat> That's very powerful. What are what are some of the practical like steps that differentiate NLP? Like, what can somebody do, <clears throat> or what are, what are what are some advice? You know, some things that they could do mm -hmm. um, to start shifting that. Is it something mm -hmm. that they're thinking? Is it? Yeah, it's it's basically um, you know the, the, what you're trying to do is in NLP is that you know you are programmed to do things in a certain way. So your uh, neurology is is uh, put together by whatever the experiences that you have and your reactions to those experiences. Okay. So the basis of it is really something that they call kind of a reframing. And you might be familiar with that term for those of you that are not reframing is uh, basically changing the emotion that you attach to an experience. Okay. So as an example, okay. An experience stands alone. Experience is just that I went to the store. I came home. Um, whatever the, that experience is, is uh, I went to school. Okay. 
So what happened at school, right? And whatever you felt, the emotion that is what you attach to that experience, right? So, you know, you go to school and they bully you. Oh, I hate school, right? You come home and you're happy to be home and your husband is, you know, in, a, in an angry rage. Oh God, I don't want to go home. See, so those are all um, memories and experiences that uh, we, we attach emotion to. So the main, the main thing about uh, NLP is that there are strategies to, to change the way that you perceive a situation. And once you learn those strategies, right, it's a lot easier to change your attitude about what it, whatever it is that, that has happened in your life. So that is a big part of NLP. But then, there, you know, there are other parts of it, like communication and uh, the idea that uh, I, this was very, very important to me because you really don't think about that. Most of us, most of us think about uh, communication as whatever it is you have to say to someone, right? And we assume that the person on the listening end is understanding it the way that you want them to understand it. Meanwhile, their interpretation of whatever you said may not be anything like what you said, right? So the premise is that it's not so important. What you have to say is not so important. What's important is did you get your message across, right? And how that other person perceived that message. And part of NLP is teaching you to share your message in a way that is understood the way you intend it to be understood. So that's a very important and a very uh, valuable part of NLP that I felt uh, really impacted the way that I communicated with other people and the way that I built rapport with other people. So there are different, different facets. I, since I started NLP, I have become a master trainer. And right now I'm going to become a trainer's trainer, which is uh, exciting. I'm going to be able to train people uh, with NLP. I'm almost finished with that certification. So I'm excited about that. That's awesome. <clears throat> you mentioned two things that I think are so powerful. It's um, one, it's that self-awareness of being able to catch our own emotions and understand when maybe we have to evaluate ourselves and our responses to the outside world and any anything that's, you know, coming to us. So how are we responding to the, you know, the elements around us, and then even our self talk, right? I think that that's also important, you know, being able to catch ourselves and say, wait, no, nope, I'm thinking something. And let's divert that attention into something else. And then I love that you mentioned um, being willing to understand others, because I think that so many people are quick to assume you meant the worst, or you, you know, that your intention was this, we attach somebody's intent, we give somebody the intention, we feel that they're putting into something. But I love that um, you mentioned that, that we have to be aware of our response to other people's emotions and question them uh, and say, am I, does this person really mean this? Am I attaching this, this perception of it, you know, myself? Um, those are two very self-awareness things that, um, that are important. I love that, that you mentioned that. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, a lot of it, uh, a, a lot of the, and it, it took some time for me to work on this, you know, personally, because when you become a coach, you have to go through the coaching process in order to become a coach in NLP. Uh, and one of the things, uh, that we talked about was, you know, we're not, we're not mind readers and, 
that to me was like a light bulb because I'm a very intuitive person, right? And I like, and I prided myself in thinking, you know, I meet somebody once and I know what they're all about, right? I kind of, you get a vibe, you just kind of size them up. I think we're the best judge of character. Yes, we're the best judge of character. And so what I learned to do when something didn't hit me the right way, okay, when something just was not jiving, was hold back and really start thinking about my presupposition, my mind reading. And I would say to myself, you know, okay, Karen, so when did you become a mind reader? Can I tell you, it put the brakes on me. It put the brakes on me because learning to do that, to take a breath before, because I was very quick, very quick to, you know, put you, I want, for lack of a better word, I will say, put you in your place. Nice, with a nice bow on top, you know? Uh, and I have learned to hold myself back and to really breathe and to give that person the benefit of the doubt. And can I tell you, it has really, it has really changed a lot for me uh, as far as relationships go. Uh, I have, I feel like I have benefited a lot from it. And I'm going to, if you, if we have the time, I'm going to give you an example of something that happened. And um, sure. it really, it, 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 it really taught me uh, to hold back. I really was in control. That's the word that I want to say. I was, before I used to react and now my responses are more in control of me, you know? Uh, and I just had, a, a, I do a Lincoln local uh, in Boca Boynton, which is the area that I started it in. And I have these two other men that are partners and we just met each other through the local. We got together and we're doing, we're doing what we, you know, the, uh, the local. So one of them, one of the partners had, and I had kind of like a, a well, he, he was upset. He kind of had a, a disagreement. Um, I don't know the understanding. My understanding was that we were three partners. His understanding was that he was in charge and, and um, you know, we were somehow going to follow in whatever it is. We, we, we were going to him because he was the person that knew what had to be done. So, Anyway, uh, during we had a little bit of a of a of a there was a there was a tension there, and I have to tell you, he was upset and visibly upset. Okay, I want to say that I had to pat myself on the back afterwards because I felt like I couldn't be I couldn't be who I, I the old Karen. I didn't want to go revert back to I want because my my first instinct was to react to the things that he was saying, you know, my first, and that's how I wanted to. And I was already thinking up scenarios in my head as to why he was doing what he was doing, what he, all those things were going around in my head. So putting the brakes on myself and having control of myself allowed him, okay, to re-examine himself. Had I said what I wanted to say, it would not have turned out we would not have a LinkedIn local now because we probably would have gone our separate ways. Okay. He was very upset. And the time, uh, the way that I uh, was able to speak to him, I think opened up his mind a little bit. I talked a little bit about my intention and that's really important because I think that a lot of us would give more people the benefit of the doubt if we knew that they weren't coming from a place, a bad place. But when somebody makes a mistake, sometimes we assume that. We assume they're coming from a, a 
place of bad intention when maybe they're not, you see? So my ability to hold myself back, okay, and to change myself because I knew I couldn't change him, right? I knew that he was who he was and it gave him the opportunity to change and it ended up fine because I think he realized that uh, it was a misunderstanding. I think he realized that we weren't communicating properly and I realized that, you know, I had, was still in a battle with, even though I'm a coach, I'm human first. And even though I'm a coach, I was still in a battle within myself because I wanted to rip him up. And, and we laugh about it now. We've talked about it now and we're fine and we're still working together, but it's a joke. You know, he said, uh, he said to me, he says, you know, you, uh, when I think about the way that you handled it, he goes, you know, I, um, I know I could, I know that you wanted to say more than what you said. He was right. I did. He, he read my mind. <laughs> right. But my point is, you know, I had to work on myself in order to get the best results. I couldn't expect him to work on it. Definitely. You know what that, that is, <clears throat> why do you think we as humans always think the worst of like, that's the first, the first thought is a negative thought. Like this person has bad intentions. Why do you think that is, man? Our human I, nature is I, so interesting. I, you know, you know, Sandra, I honestly, I think that the main thing is that, you know, we have negative thoughts that go through them, like 60,000 negative thoughts a day. And it, we just yeah. program that way. A, a, a toddler, and I and I mentioned this in some of my presentations because I think it's so relevant. Here's the word no, or a form of the word no, 400 times a day. Okay, you think about a toddler that's exploring, reaching out, and you're like, stop, no, wait, no. You know, we are constantly hearing the word no ever since we're born. So it's really hard. Like I have, uh, as you know, I'm so proud of my, my grandson, but I have uh, a one-year-old grandson. And, uh, you know, I grow up in a Latino family that, you know, the word no is like every other word. Like I couldn't finish a sentence without getting no. It was like, can I? No. <laughs> you know, that, that, was, that was my bringing up. Uh, but anyway, I tell my daughter, listen, you know, try to find another way to, to distract him or to do something else. Try not to use the word so much. I mean, I know I used it when I was raising her. I, I did because I didn't know any different. And I'm not saying that you let a kid, you let a child do whatever the hell they want. And there are boundaries, you know, but, you know, encourage that exploration, encourage the yeses, encourage uh, the things that uh, you fear because, we don't want them to grow up with our fears, you know? So that's, that's, that's one of the main, I think that's one of the main reasons is, um, you know, we're scared and we project our, our, our fear onto the people we love. Yeah. <clears throat> that is yeah. Um, definitely an epidemic um, in humanity. Yeah. Are there like things we can do either in the morning or at night to like, just prime our brain to to stay in a positive focused um, direction? Yeah, I, well, let me say this to you. I, from as far as myself, I feel like I should be doing more exercise than I do. I love to walk and then I had a, a problem with my leg and my hip and I kind of got out of that. But I think that, first of all, I think that exercise, even walking, not anything, it doesn't have to be strenuous, you know? Um, I think it's really exhilarating and, I think that walking and maybe like listening to positivity tapes, that helped me a lot. Um, 
it just made me feel energized. But you can do simple things, you know, um, breathing when you wake up. Um, I learned something from one of my mentors. It's called heart-centered breathing. And, and, and the exercise is really simple, but it, it requires, you know, visualization. And the way that I do it is that I, I start thinking about a place that makes me feel really calm and makes me feel really good. And for me, that's the beach. I, I, I imagine myself in Cayman Island, which is one of my favorite beaches, just in the clear water, feeling the warmth, feeling the sun, feeling all that that warmness and 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 uh, uh, you know, I imagine the sounds. And you take in imagining that three deep breaths. And I, I'm sorry, five deep breaths, and then you let it out. And when you let it out, five, you let the five breaths out. You imagine it going through your heart. You know, and you do it five times. And I have to tell you, it's a simple, it's very simple, but it really, really calms me down when I feel agitated. Like if I'm, I'm feeling a little bit anxious, I feel that it helps me. Um, I like to do it in the morning. Um, they call it um, uh, to put yourself in a resourceful state. And what is a resourceful, resourceful state is a state where you are open to you know, the good that comes into your life, you're open to learning, you're open to exploring. So that's where you want to be when you're, you know, doing a uh, presentation, that's where you want to be when you're doing a, a, a podcast, you know, you want to be in a resourceful state. Uh, so I find that very, very, I found that very helpful. And a couple of other things that are really, really simple. Uh, I have to tell you, music has a, an incredible an incredible effect on people. And for me, you know, when I'm playing music in the house or in the car, it makes me feel happy. It changes. Even when I'm done, I tell my husband, put the radio on. You know, I put salsa on when I'm when, when I'm in my house and and I love it. It just changes my whole way of feeling, you know. Um, and another thing, I think a lot of people are really um, into meditation. I myself um, should meditate more than I do. Not everybody's into it, you know, yoga and meditation, of course. Um, but I think a lot of people, uh, you know, benefit from that. Uh, and the other thing that's really simple that I'm going to add as my last thing is your physiology. You know, people don't realize that when you're down and you're depressed or you're feeling automatically your shoulders slump, your head goes down. You know, if you mindfully are feel, if you're feeling down, okay, you lift your head up, you put your shoulders back right? You, I do that after I, I, I am, I'm, when I speak, I'm a motivational speaker, you know, I, I do that before I speak, because I know that I feel confident when I do that. So your physiology and the way you carry your body makes a difference. Definitely. I love that. You know, um, <clears throat> I was reading something the other day about, you know, how energy is obviously constantly moving through our bodies. And, you know, sometimes to even like feed oxygen to your brain, like moving your shoulders, yes. you know, like you think you're just moving your shoulders, but you're you're changing the dynamics of your body. Like if your body's not moving, there's energy stuck in all these places yes. and you're feeling yes. really bad but the movement is so important and even like i'll find myself doing this like i'm feeding my brain you know like just yes just delivering oxygen it makes a difference. even when you're taking a shower when I, I have a habit of when i'm taking a shower i like stretch and i move my shoulders under the hot water i feel so much better when i get out you know um i mean these are little things that don't cost money and make a difference in the way that you're feeling for the day it's a good start for the day you know it's like having a good breakfast you know which they're saying right now shouldn't be too big but 
Yeah. You know, it makes a difference. Yeah. As long as it's a healthy one, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. So So. what, um, like when it comes to coaching, because I'm a believer that everybody needs coaching, you know, you know, that everybody always says like every athlete needs coaching and, and it's even the most professional athletes. And as, um, individuals and as business owners, we're walking around trying to handle the world. I think as entrepreneurs, we have a million balls in the air trying to do everything. But I think it's so important that, um, like when a coach comes along, you have someone that's really supporting you, directing you, consulting you and helping you achieve that next level. Um, and I think it's such a critical, um, you know, avenue for people and for entrepreneurs. So, um, yeah, I, I have to agree with you um, to the point where I would say, listen, even a coach needs a coach. The moment that you think you know everything, you know nothing. Yeah. Uh, so we're all a work in progress. And our co- and as a coach, you know, it's very it's a lot easier to see someone else's dilemma situation. Yeah. It's easier to fix somebody else. Yes. (laughs) And and not fix yourself, you know, but we only fixing it. Some, I want to say fixing, I want to say tweaking. Okay. Because it's not, we're not broken. I don't believe that we're broken. Um, but I do believe that you are all a work in progress. We could all use another, another insight. Uh, We can all, uh, use somebody that we can bounce back and forth with. Uh, so even coaches, you know, have coaches, yeah. uh, and, and, and we're all strong in different, in different areas as, as coaches as well, you know, who has, uh, uh, you know, has more experience in, uh, I don't know, it could be addiction or something like that, you know, as, uh, versus, you know, someone who is starting their own business and needs a coach to start that. So, you know, there's so many, I mean, there are basics, uh, that as far as mindset, I feel that, uh, that there are certain things that uh, you keep kind of hearing over and over again, you know, uh, and no matter in what type of coaching, it's the basis for all coaching, you know, uh, but there are different ways of presenting it. And I think that's really important because we're not, we don't all learn in the same way. You know, we don't, some people learn by listening, other people uh, by feeling that's kinesthetic, other people, you know, by, by seeing, doing, you know, we all learn different ways. So uh, I think that's, that's very, very uh, important is to find somebody that, you know, speaks your language. Yeah. How do you know which way you learn best? Like, is there a way to measure that or to, to find? Yeah, actually, they're very, uh, you know, there are a lot of different, uh, like, uh, ways of, of, uh, like uh, behavioral assessments, really, you know, they, they have that, there, there are behavioral assessments. Uh, but in NLP, there is a certain uh, test by speaking to somebody, uh, you can kind of tell what they teach you to evaluate people when you speak to them as an, ex- uh, as an example. Uh, if somebody speaks to you, and they're like, uh, well, what, as they're speaking to you, they're saying, uh, uh, do you see what I mean? Do you see what I, do, do, do you see what I'm trying to tell you or do you uh, can you see this or if they use that probably they're visual learners okay it's really interesting in NLP one day I was like oh I never thought of that uh, uh, people that say uh, are you listening are you uh, do, do you hear what I'm saying what do you think they are 
Yeah, they're auditory. Auditory, auditory. Yeah. Uh, and a, a lot of people are, um, are you feeling me? Are you, are yeah. you, do you feel what I, right? What are they? Yeah. Kinesthetic. And many of us are combinations of that. I am. I'm a combination. Yeah. Uh, but so we, 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 there are ways that you can evaluate that. Uh, just like there are ways uh, you can, by behavioral assessments, that you can learn about people's strengths and what they're, they're best at. I know there's there's a few of them. There's predictive index. I know there's, I think, DIST or something like that. There's also Strength Finder, Gallup Strength Finder. There's a few other Myers things. Briggs, that, yeah, right, Myers Briggs. Yeah. So as far as behavior, there are uh, predictors. And then uh, in NLP specifically, it does deal with, you know, how, as, as an example, um, as a trainer, I am learning uh, that, you know, when you do a presentation, there you have to appeal to all of those senses, right? Because if I'm talking to you from the point of view of, you know, your, your the way that if you're a visual learner and I'm speaking to you in another uh, in another way, but through the only it's auditory, it's only a tape. You're not going to grasp it because you want to see it. Yeah, you want to see it. So it shows you how when you're presenting, you have to really, really make sure that you're you're addressing each one of those learning, um, yeah. uh, the way that the, the way of learning of each one, of each person. Yeah. Wow. That, yep. That's a great point because, you know, a lot of people who are, um, some speakers just are just speakers, but it's important to tap into that visual. You know, that's why like some people don't like to speak with slides, but sometimes you can have a visual and a slide that sends the message of what you're doing. And maybe that resonates. Is that kind of what would. Yes. And yes and no. And uh, okay. the reason I'm saying this is because, yes, that would be beneficial to a visual person. But if you are a speaker, you can also you use language so that they can visualize it. As an example, I think I did a presentation for United Latinas where I didn't have my PowerPoint presentation and I was kind of thrown off. So I, I felt like I hadn't practiced enough because I, I was using the PowerPoint as a prompter and I was, I, I did the best that I could with, you know, just going on. But one of the things that I did do, which at the time I have to tell you, I wasn't even 100% as versed on it as I am now. Um, I said, you know, Imagine, close your eyes and imagine this. So that's a visual cue, right? Because I'm asking you to see it. I'm close, close your eyes and imagine this and, right? Yeah. So there's other ways of visually appealing of, of, of um, you know, because we have, our imagination can take us anywhere we want, right? Yeah. So uh, I thought, and that's, that, it's very interesting the way that, you know, you want to, you can, you can, you can explore that, uh, not necessarily, you know, have a physical slide if you're in a situation where you don't, you don't have one. Yeah. You know, what I find is um, understanding the learning curve, right? From someone being coached or, or just, um, or any, all of us, you know, just human, human nature in general, um, our learning curve from the moment that we say, okay, I get that, I grasp that, I understand what that means. But sometimes it takes some time to actually implement some of those things like it's they got to like soak in and marinate and really um, come into our being, I guess, because a lot of people don't immediately take action, right? They can, they could see it and people could say, I get it. I understand it. Some don't. But so those that do still take some time to actually put um, action behind it. 
What do you I think th that is? I think that um, there's, I think they're kind of two different things in, in my mind uh, because we can learn a lot of things, you know, uh, but, you know, usually the reason that we don't take action is because there are fears associated with whatever we learned that are not associated with what we learned, right? We, there are, you know, we hold ourselves back because, you know, we're afraid to fail or we're afraid of what people will think. And so even though we know the information, right, even though we feel, and sometimes, you know, it's a, it's a form of procrastination, really, because, you know, you're not ready, you, 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 you're waiting for it to be more perfect. You, you, you know, you haven't, re you need one more course, you know, I found myself in that, in that I'm like, I have to tell you, when I did my strength finder, uh, no, I, which one was it? Um, one of the behavioral assessments that I did. Uh, I am a learner. And what does that mean? That I said, my number one is my number one strength was just, I'm a strategist. Okay, I can see things that other people can't see and put things together that other people may not be able to put together. But my second thing was that I'm a learner. And I, that is so true, because I always loved school. Everybody else complained about school, but I love school. And I never stop trying to learn something new. Okay. So the drawback of that is that I feel like I, I never know enough. Right. I always want to learn more than, than what it is that I know. Um, so, you know, there, and I don't do it. I'm not learning because I want a diploma. I want a certification. I, I want a degree. No, I, I don't have to get any, I don't want anything. And I don't need that, but that's just my personality. Right. Um, so the dilemma. So when do you stop learning and when do you start taking action with everything you learned? What good is it if it's sitting in you and you're not sharing it right? in a way that, right. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's that. I think preach that woman. Lot, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said, preach it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What good is it? I know it. You know, I know it myself. So putting, putting, um, you know, we start, you know, our, our, the fear factor starts coming in. And one of the important, one of the funniest things that I thought it's so true is that, you know, the, the, the fear factor is really not even about, you know, what the fear is. It's about, it's not about what if I fail, it's about what will people think if I fail? You know, you yeah. don't want to make a feel a fool of yourself. You don't want to be embarrassed. You know, what if yeah. people think that you're not good enough? What if, all these doubts, you know, that we have to overcome. And really, that's my job as a coach to help you overcome the doubts that you have about yourself and your limitations. Yeah, that's so powerful, because so many people are walking around like that, you know, self doubt is, um, is a killer, and it's an epidemic in itself. Um, and it, it could is. be back to some of those uh, reasonings you said earlier about, you know, the, as a child, you know, because they say from zero to seven is when you're, you're most formed. Right? Yeah. Is that is it zero it, to seven? It, yeah, I think it's zero. To, yeah, that people they what do they say? There's a saying. I think it's it's a give me a child from uh, below from zero to seven, or uh, and they're yours. Like basically, you can if you have a child, you you kind of can mold them. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it's that's the gist of it. That that is the gist of it. But I think also, you know, it even goes past that. It's generational. A lot of the things that we. Yeah. We think you know it's it's attitudes that our parents have that we never question we just accept it as being true and you know our parents you know they've done the best what they can that, that they can and that's another another uh nlp uh uh 
another NLP uh, point that's really important. You know, people do the best that they can with the resources that they have, right? So, which is, I think it's very powerful because so many of us have generational uh, issues, really, things that come from our parents that we've adopted as, uh, ourselves and they hold us back and things that we just accept uh, as true and, and they're really not. But uh, and when we start questioning those things um, and also, you know, you don't want to, how can I put it to you? It's also when we start realizing it, when we come to our, our senses where we start seeing that, you know, our parents Maybe we're not perfect parents. We love them, but maybe they made a mistake here and this is not the way you want to raise your child. When you start seeing those things, it's very helpful to understand that they did the best that they could with what the resources that they had. Because otherwise, you know, then you get hung up on, you know, I can't believe they did this to me and why would they do that to me? And, you know, uh, I can't forgive them or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, so many of us have issues, you know, daddy issues, mommy issues. That's, that is so prevalent in today's, you know, um, the fact that our parents are not perfect. That's, you know, that realization, um, sometimes, uh, you know, we can hold on to that and use it as a crutch. Absolutely. And you know what, I I think uh, also to add to that, like, we have to be aware when it comes to those thinking that it's our parents were influenced by their parents who were influenced by their parents who were influenced by their parents. And it's all all of these cultural changes and all of these biases within these generations that um, can we blame them, you know, but when do we take responsibility? When at what point is it our responsibility? And I think now that um, probably in this year and in, in this decade where we're, I think we're, we're more awakened, we're more consciously awakened to these attributes and we're able to pinpoint and, 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 you know, question ourselves where I don't think they've done that. Um, well, I'm sure they have. Right. Um, but not, it wasn't common where people took a self-reflection of themselves and said, okay, well, what am I going to allow to affect myself? you know, that, that I, that has happened to me. And, and when do I, when do I move forward and move past my baggage? Yeah. Right. And I call, yeah. I always call that baggage. It is baggage. It is baggage. Um, I think that, um, the thing with forgiveness, um, is, I mean, a lot of people think forgiveness is like this spiritual awakening or like biblical, like it's in the Bible, like, you know, forgiveness, uh, you know, you have to forgive because, you know, you have to, I think that that's what, how people look at it. I think that people have to start looking at it as self, looking at it as self-preservation because when you hold on to that pain of that pain, the other person is probably number one, either is not aware of the pain that you're going through. Okay. Yeah. Or doesn't care about the pain that you're going through. Right. So who are you punishing? You're punishing yourself. So how is that taking a toll on you mentally and physically? It's it's taking a toll. I mean, it's proven that mind-body connection where, you know, people get sick from that. People get cancer. People get, I mean, I myself am living living proof. I, I um, was holding on to something that happened when I was 18 years old. And, hey, I'm 62 years old, okay? And I'm not lying when I, I tell you that I probably have just come to terms with it. Maybe it's been like five, seven years or you know, it, not even, and, and sometimes it comes back to haunt me, you know, but, um, my father, you know, he divorced my mother when I was 18 and he left her for a girl that was like a year older than me. 
And I was very, very close to my father. I adored my father. I admired my father. And then I realized, wait a minute, I don't even know who this guy is. Like everything he ever taught me, every rule, every moral, every, it was like, who is this man? Who is this man? If anybody would have told me my father would ever, ever have gone with a, a girl that age at the time, I would have, I would have said never. I mean, it could have been one of my friends, right? When you think about it, if she was almost my age. So um, that was very painful for me and I'm not lying. And then after that, he left, he was gone for 20 years. I did not see him for 20 years because he ended up, actually he's still married to her, believe it or not. Um, but he ended up uh, lying to her, to her family. They never knew he had a family because you know they were having an affair, the whole, the whole shebang. So her family thought he was like the single guy. So he lived a life for 20 years and never, we never saw him again. Like I saw him, I'm sorry, I'm lying. I, he did give me away at my wedding. It was awkward. He left early. It was weird. And I asked him only because I was kind of pushed into it. Um, but what did that do for me the whole time? When I tell you, I could not even think about him without like crying. Like it was just horrible emotionally. It was, I couldn't let go. I couldn't forgive him. I could, I couldn't, you know, who does that? You know, I was his girl, you mm -hmm. know? So you tell me, I mean, this is like, Hey, you know, like I, I, when I really think about it now, it still brings up these emotions, you know, who tells you when to get over it? You tell you when to get over it, you know? And so it wasn't until the process that I went through coaching that I realized like he, first of all, you can't get a rock from a stone right? I want something from him that he doesn't even know how to give, right? I want acknowledgement. I want, I'm sorry. I want acknowledgement, something, something to make me feel better, right? Second thing, you know, um, he was living his life, living his life. He was having kids that are my, the kids that same age as he my kids. He was chasing his joy, his he own joy. Yes. And he, you know, I'm the one who was suffering, he was totally disassociated and living his life the way he wanted to live it. I don't know what was inside him. Maybe he was suffering too. Maybe he wasn't. It sure didn't feel like it to me. Right. And I kept thinking to myself, you know, when is, when is his day going to come? You know, what about payback? What about karma? You know, all those things, you know, um, I was questioning, but my point, my point is that um, it wasn't until I, I came to terms with, you know what? I'm not, I'm only hurting myself, right? Um, I know that, um, you know, like he was, my, he was my, my hero. He was my model. He toppled, you know, it, it you know, I put a lot of, I, I put a lot of, um, you know, I don't know how to, for lack of a better word, I put a lot of love into him. You know, I had him on a pedestal and he was just a human, you know? And the minute that I realized that, listen, you got to let this go because it's only hurting you and you can't control it. It happened. It's done. You need to let it go. I had to find out for myself and, um, you know, I'm finally at peace with it before I couldn't think about him without wanting to cry. And I don't feel that way anymore, but it was a process and it took years and years and years. Why? Honestly, because I didn't know any better when my, my grandmother used to say, Oh, you have to, you, you have to forgive him. She said, I just thinking, I was just thinking like, yeah, yeah, she's, 
you know, like this is the Bible, this is her Bible stuff talking, you know? Mm -hmm. I never was thinking, you know, you need to save yourself because if you don't get over this, you're only hurting yourself. Yeah, that, you know, this is, um, this is great conversation because so many people are walking around with this baggage of all of these past hurts and pains. And, um, and it, you know, it, it's true. When do you, when do you come to terms to say, okay, it's my responsibility. Nobody's obligated to your joy. I think we want, okay, satisfy my immediate need to feel okay. You know, I, so many people are walking around like that versus taking being introspective and saying, okay, what do I have to do, you know, to feel better myself and not depend on anybody else to fulfill the joy. And, and even with loss and pain, you know, to, to overcome that it's up to me. Yeah. It's not up to some, something else outside of me. It is. We, I, I think that we can't, it's hard, you know, like uh, example, you're talking about grieving and there's lots of different reasons that we grieve you know we mm -hmm. lose a loved one we get a divorce you know we lose a job people yep. grieve that you know uh so i think that uh no one can really tell you how long how long it takes to get over it um but i think that people have to understand that um there are certain things that you just can't change and you just have to accept what has happened acknowledge it and just move forward. Uh, I think that uh, so many people uh, start feeling like, you know, I'm never gonna be happy again. I'm, I'm never gonna come out of this. And, you know, I look at people that lose their children and I'm like, gosh, I don't know what I would do if I, I, I don't think I could ever come out of that, you know? But the truth is that people do come out of it and they live their best lives, their lives the best way that they can because they know that, um, you know, it's something they have no control over and releasing that control, I think is really liberating and trusting that, you know, uh, there can be other joy in life, I think is also something that, um, you know, you have to look for, you have to look for the joy, because if you're not looking for the joy, you're never going to find it, you're going to find what you're looking for. And if you're looking for misery, that's what you're going to find. I love that. That is, um, that's such a great statement. Um, so I would love to thank you for being on my show. And this is not the first or last time because I want to definitely dive into deeper into some of these talks because I think this benefits a lot of people. Um, it's, it's having that introspective look at ourselves and understanding that with support and with a coach, you know, we can enhance our lives. We have to take that risk, you know, otherwise we're going to stay in the same exact position. What's it going to take to move forward? You know, if we don't take advantage of hiring a coach or, or having support, a support system, maybe it's not a coach, maybe it's, it's yes. a support system um, that can help you, you know, take those looks inside and, and, and then move forward, you know. And, can, I, can I can I make a point um, as far as uh, one of the questions that was really important that I, I don't know if we have time. Do we have time? Sure, sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, you know, at the beginning, before I became a coach, I've always been the go-to person. So I'm really, I was really good at, you know, luckily kind of, you know, giving advice or I was always in a, blessed to be in a position where I could, right? Um so I was, you know, in my family, the go-to person with my friends, you know, the go-to person, I had a pretty good head on my shoulders and I kind of saw things clearly or whatever. Uh, but what I want to say is that, you know, it's not that easy to find a support system like that, 
Okay. Um, sometimes we need to go outside of our comfort zone and out of the people that we're normally with in order to find something different or maybe even better than what we're already used to. Because, you know, what do they say? The five people that you're, you associate with the most of those are the ones that are going to kind of shape whatever it is, the environment around you. Right. Yep. So if, you know, we hang out with the same friends that we're always comfortable with, you know, and I've had friends for years. I love them dearly, you know, but we always fall, we, you fall into the same patterns with those friends, you know, sometimes you kind of have to step out of that. Right. And look for a support system that maybe isn't so close, so close um, because, um, you know, we, we put it to you this way. It, it's almost like a fresh look, you know, they look at you in a different way. They respect you in a different way, yep. right? Um, so when it comes to support systems, you know, it's not always the people that are closest to you that are the most valuable when it comes to that. They want to be, but that's not always the case. Yeah, but you know what? You just you just brought something up that may take another hour of talking. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, that's true. That's true. That's true. Wow. That that is such a powerful statement. Not enough people have enough of the right people around them, um, and. It, it, it can be hurtful, you know, but then again, there are people that are, and I wonder if this is, has a, uh, with NLP, I don't, I don't know if there's a term for this, but um, like I find for myself, I'm, I'm, I tend to be a loner kind of, I don't, I don't even know if that's the right term for it, but um, like, but I need support, you know, and I wish I had more people around me that were like on the same, that can be encouraging, you know, and, and we do, you know, Luckily, you know, with United Latinas, you know, it, it's really bringing mm -hmm. women that have that supportive um, heart and the supportive and, you know, um, just love, just love and support. But there's different types of support that we need, you know, mm -hmm. when it comes to. Yes, yes. Um, I absolutely, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I mean, there are different conversations you can have with different people, you know, like you have your, even in your immediate circle that you have now, your friends, like your close or whatever, you know what you can talk to this one about. And you know, like I have a friend that I know that I can talk to her more about business because she, she's always been in the corporate world. I have another friend who, when it comes to talking about kids, that's the person that I go to, you know, so you kind of put different people in different slots, like, you mm -hmm. know, but what I was going to say to you as a coach, I think um, that, uh, you know, depending on your strengths, um, I mean, there are, I know that I belong to some groups. You can, you can always find somebody that, uh, you know, and maybe like for lack of a better term, exchange, exchange, uh, you know, help. What are you strong? And maybe you're strong in business. The other person is strong in, in, in something else, you know, relationships or whatever the, the issue is. But kind of help each other in that way, you know, um, if, uh, you know, you don't want to go out and, and, and hire a coach, but if maybe you can barter, if you do something else, for example, let's say, uh, as an example, look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a coach, um, right. Uh, but I would love to, uh, barter with somebody do barter with somebody who's an interior designer or decorator. Why? Cause I have a house and I'd like a second opinion on how I want to decorate it. Right. So, Maybe you can come to some kind of agreement with that. And that's what I'm saying. Maybe you can, you know, find somebody that you can exchange, exchange strengths with or career, you know, uh, that's just an idea. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and, uh, you know, it, 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 as entrepreneurs, I think there's a lot of a lot of bartering can really move the ball forward. You know, if you find people that uh, you can barter services with, um, 
you know, that that's definitely helpful. It can help, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, even and even like coaching, for example, you, you know, a coach, I, I have another I have a coach, someone else that I know. And she'll call me, you know, listen, I want your advice on this. You know, yep. what do you think, you know, uh, she does more corporate, like corporate coaching. And I do more, you know, uh, I, I, I do corporate speaking. But, you know, I also do a lot of like the NLP stuff, which is more like a one-on-one or group, you know. So she calls me up. We bounce each other things off, you know. We bounce things off each other. And uh, I think it's important to have people like that. I mean, with United Latinas, we're lucky to have that uh, community like that. Um you know, uh, hopefully we'll grow into more of that. Yeah, you we know. will. It's uh, dealing with this pandemic, which which the pandemic itself is another, you know, attribute that adds to our mental, you know, state of mind, you know, whether we're, you know, a lot of depression, you know, is being, is going around, you know, a lot of people are home, they're not having as much sunlight, they're not being out as much, they're not being engaging with, with people as much. So that definitely hinders um, or it can hinder, not definitely, but yeah, it can hinder. Um, absolutely. Instead of being. I think that's why it's so important to know. Here's another thing that's really just came up when you said that. So many, you know, like open the blinds. I mean, I know so many, um, my mother, my mother was a per- very introverted person. Very, she was a, would rather read a book than go out. She would sit in the dark and then she would say, oh, I'm so depressed. Like, you know, open up the blinds, look at the sunshine, you know, those are things that we can do to help us uh, change our mood. Yep. I love that. I I definitely want to hear more. We got to do another segment. Yes, this is wonderful. Hope I didn't talk too much and I hope you got some nugget of wisdom or information yeah, or something. You definitely, definitely shared some great stuff that our, our, our listeners can, can get value from. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being on. So bettermekaren.com. So you guys can find Karen, want to talk to her more or book a session with her. You can go right there, bettermekaren.com. Karen Machuka, thank you again for being on. Thank you so much. Bye-bye, guys. (laughs) I love you. Bye-bye.